Peace be upon you. So the Quran is not a science book, but it contains scientific facts. And the one I'm going to share today is one of those that, you know, I've read a thousand times, but I never stopped to really contemplate just how awesome it is that this information is embedded in a book written 1400 years ago in the dark ages of Arabia. And it has to do with a verse in Surah 13, verse 4. And this verse is oftentimes mistranslated. And it reads, On earth there are adjacent lots that produce orchards of grapes, crops, palm trees. And before I translate this part, I'm going to say it in Arabic. And then we're going to look at what this word means. And the Arabic is sinwanun wa ghayru sinwan. And the question is, what does this mean? And it continues, so it says, Although they are irrigated with the same water, we prefer some of them over others in eating. These are solid proofs for people who understand. So God is talking about orchards of grapes, crops, palm trees, uh, and they're irrigated with the same water, and we prefer some of them over others, and that these are solid proofs. So what are these proofs? In order to understand that, we need to look at this Arabic word sinwanun wa ghayru sinwan. And this translates into sinwan, which we're going to get to. Wa ghayra is an other than sinwan. So it's saying sinwan and other than sinwan. So what is sinwan? The triliteral root of sinwan is sad, nun, wow. And if you look at what this word means, the derivative meanings you get is a palm or other tree springing from the same root as others. Water, stones, between two mountains, uh, one of the pair or more that intertwined trees, trees growing in clusters from one root, related family members. So it's kind of this hodgepodge, but in essence, it's saying either coming from one root uh, that trees are intertwined. Okay, so if you look at most translations for Surah 13 verse 4, this is what you uh, hear. It says, on earth there are adjacent lots that produce orchards of grapes, crops, palm trees of the same root and not of the same root. Although they are irrigated with the same water, we prefer some of them over others in eating. These are solid proofs for people who understand. So what does that mean? <laughs> Palm trees of the same root and not the same root. It still doesn't clarify what is the meaning of this word. What does that constitute? And in order to understand this, it helps to look at the verse in context. So we're going to go one verse before in Surah 13 verse 3. It says, He is the one who constructed the earth and placed on it mountains and rivers. And from the different kinds of fruits, he made them into pears. The night overtakes the day. These are solid proofs for people who think. So what are these pears that God is talking about? God tells us in the Quran that he makes everything in pairs. In Surah 36, verse 36, it says, Glory be to the one who created in pairs all kinds of plants from the earth as well as themselves and other creations they do not even know. We were created, all of us were created from a pair. What is that pair? It's a mother and a father, a male and a female. And from a male and a female, you get an offspring. And these are the pairs that God is referring to, that he made them, the plants, into pairs, males and females. Now, imagine how crazy this must have sounded 1400 years ago to claim that there's male and female plants and fruits what does that even mean? I mean, I was shocked when I found out today, living in 2020, that there's male and female plants and fruits. This is something we don't think about. But God tells us that he created everything in pairs. In Surah 43, verse 12, it says, He's the one who created all kinds in pairs. 
and he created for you ships and livestock to ride. One of the names of God is Al-Wahid. Wahid means one. God is the one. Because for everything else, there is a pair. But for God, there is no pair. There is only one God. There is no similarity to him. There is no equal to him. He does not have a mate. He does not have offspring. And this is clarified in Surah 39 verse 4. It says, if God wanted to have a son, he could have chosen whomever he willed from among his creations. Be he glorified, he is God, the one, Al-Wahid, the supreme. To say that someone has a child, an offspring, is to say that you have reproduced that A, this is a function of organisms on this planet. This is not befitting to God. And secondly, is to say that there's another entity similar from its parent. Because when a, a mother and a father have a child, that child is going to bear the similarities, the characteristics of its parents. But there is none that are equal to God. There's none that bears his similarities. That God is unique in every way, shape, and form. And to constitute any of his creations as anything remotely close to God, the Almighty, is a complete insult to God, our Creator. Surah 112 of the Quran is entitled Ikhlas, the absoluteness. It reads, In the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, proclaim He is the one and only God, the absolute God. Never did He beget, nor was He begotten. None equals Him. The Arabic word that's used to describe the absolute God, the absoluteness, the title of the surah is Al-Samad. Al-Samad means the supreme being who is independent and besought of all and unique in all his attributes. And this is the characteristic that only applies to God. And we see this pattern repeated in the Quran where God is talking about his creations in pairs, in males and females, in that of crops and humans. And then how the human being attributes these qualities to God to say that he had a son, that he has daughters, that he beget. Now, what kind of a quality is that of God to say that? And you think about this, these, uh, the, the Christians who are celebrating Christmas right now, that they're claiming that Jesus is God's begotten son, as if God gave birth to this entity, Jesus. You realize how absurd this is to make such a claim. And why is it that they get fixated on this aspect that Jesus is God's begotten son? It's not to say that, oh, he's his figurative son, his spiritual son. No, it must be in this gross, disgusting manner that they're equating Jesus in any way, shape, form associated with God. And we see this in Surah 6, verse 99 through 101. It reads, he is the one who sends down from the sky water, whereby we produce all kinds of plants. We produce from the green material multitudes of complex grains, palm trees, and hanging clusters, and gardens of grapes, and olives, and pomegranate, fruits that are similar, yet dissimilar. Note their fruits as they grow and ripen. These are signs for people who believe. God created this system, whereby you put a piece of dead wood into the soil, and with water and sunshine and oxygen, you get this amazing abundance of fruits and vegetables, and crops that we benefit from. Have you ever wondered where does the redness of an apple come from? Where does the sweetness of a grape come from? That from the soil somehow this byproduct is this delicious, amazing uh, produce 
that we can consume, that we benefit from, that we can extract nutrients and minerals and vitamins from. Out of the soil, this is produced for us to eat. And in 6100, it continues, yet they set up besides God idols from among the jinns, though he is the one who created them. They even attribute to him sons and daughters without any knowledge, be he glorified. He is the most high far above their claims. So we're seeing this pattern where God is the creator. God is the one who designates all these things. But the flaw in the human being is that we associate these creations of God with God himself. These two must be kept distinct. God is almighty and far above his creations. And it continues in 6.1.1, it says, The initiator of the heavens and the earth. How can he have a son when he never had a mate? He created all things, and he is fully aware of all things. God is the creator. God is the initiator. To associate his creations with God, to say that they are one and the same, or part of some sort of relationship, a father, son, a trinity, is a, a complete blasphemy. God tells us in Surah 19, starting from verse 88, it says, They said, The most gracious has begotten a son. You have uttered a gross blasphemy. The heavens are about to shatter. The earth is about to tear asunder. The mountains are about to crumble because they claim that the most gracious has begotten a son. It is not befitting the most gracious that he should beget a son. Every single one in the heavens and the earth is a servant of the most gracious. He has encompassed them and has counted them one by one. It is unfathomable to assume any entity has the ability beside God to be able to count every single one of the creations that God has created. If someone spent all of the eternity of the entire universe, we would never be able to count, let alone create, what God has created. God tells us in Surah 2 verse 117 that God is the initiator of the heavens and the earth. To have anything done, he simply says to it, be, and it is. That is as much effort as God has to put into anything. Now to claim that God has begotten a son shows how blasphemous and disgusting of a statement this is. To equate any of God's creations with God. God is telling us that the mere utterance of such nonsense is on the verge of causing the heavens to collapse, the earth to tear asunder, the mountains to be crumbled because people are uttering such a blasphemy. All it takes for God is to say, be, and it is. But for all other of God's creations, God created reproduction. This is the way that human beings reproduce. We do not reproduce like God where he says, be, and it is. For us, it requires a process that God has designated for the human beings and for the plants. And this is what Surah 13 verse 4 has to deal with. It has to deal with plant reproduction. And this is absolutely fascinating. Plants have male and female reproductive organs, and they fall into one of two camps. One camp has roots that are either male or female. Therefore, you'll see one plant that is the male and one plant from a separate root 
that is female. And these kinds of plants are called dioecious. Dioecious plants come in either male or female, and they're separate. Now, non-dioecious plants are the opposite. They have both the male and the female reproductive organs on the same root. And this is the reason that the, the Arabic word sinwan is in regards to a plant that's growing from a single root. So when it says sinwan, it means reproductive plants that grow from a single root, that the plant can either be male or female, compared to qayru sinwan, which is other than daishis. These are plants that grow and possess both the male and female reproductive organs on the same root. Now, what's really interesting, so that as if the fact that 1400 years ago this is discussed in the Quran, is that an example of a plant that's dioecious is that of date palms. On a date palm, the plant is either male or female, meaning that you have a root that is either that of a male date palm or a female date palm. And in order for them to reproduce, you need to have both the male and the female date palms next to one another so they can cross-pollinate. Now, an example of a non-dioecious plant falls into one of two categories because there's two categories of non-dioecious plants. The first one is bisexual plants, and this constitutes about 90% of all plants are bisexual. What does that mean? It means that both the male and the female reproductive organs are located in the same location of a plant. You take a flower and it has both the male and the female reproductive parts in the same location of that flower. That's why the winds, they pollinate. Bees pollinate plants because when they go into the flower, they're knocking the pollen from the male parts into the female in order to reproduce and create fruit. And an example of a bisexual plant is a cultivated grape where it produces flowers that contain both the male and female reproductive parts. And through pollination, they produce grapes. Now, another category of non-dioecious uh, plants are ones that have both the male and female reproductive parts on the same plant, but in different locations. And these are called monoecious uh, plants. And an example of monoecious plants are that of crops like corn and wheat. So now let's look at Surah 13 verse 4. It says, On earth there are adjacent lots that produce orchards of grapes, crops, and palm trees, dioecious and non-dioecious. Although they are irrigated with the same water, we prefer some of them over others in eating. These are solid proofs for people who understand. So to recap, a dioecious plant is a plant that is either male or female. In order to produce its fruit, you require both a plant that the root is either male or female in order to create its fruit. And an example of a dioecious plant is that of palm trees. And what do we see here? It says on earth there are adjacent lots that produce orchards of grapes, crops, and palm trees. Then there's non-dioecious plants. And within that category, there's two types. One is the bisexual, where it has both the male and female reproductive parts in the same location, that of grapes. And then you have monoecious plants that have both male and female on the same root, but in different locations, like that of crops, which are corn and wheat. So on earth, there are adjacent lots that produce orchards of grapes. Bisexual. 
crops, monoecious, and palm trees, dioecious. All three examples are in, contained within this verse. And it says dioecious and non-dioecious. Although they are irrigated with the same water, we prefer some of them over others in eating. These are solid proofs for people who understand. To think 1400 years ago, God is describing not only the fact that there's male and female plants, but giving the three categories within this verse, that you have grapes, crops, and palm trees, that each of these fall into different kinds of either dioecious or non-dioecious. How must have this sounded 1400 years ago? I mean, today, if you told people that there's male and female plants, that they have sexual reproductive organs, you looked at by most people as if you're crazy. And this is in the Quran, written 1400 years ago. Like I said, the Quran is not a science book, but it contains scientific facts for us to be appreciative for, for us to learn from, for us to realize that this book is not written by a human being, that it was inspired by God, Lord of the universe. And the takeaway from this is that God created all this to see whether we're appreciative or unappreciative. But the human being who associates God's creation with him as our creator, those human beings are far astray. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And if you guys want to follow along the verses, please download the Cron Study app on the iOS app store or go to cronstudyapp.com. And if you guys like the podcast, please send us an email. Let us know. Give us a review. Share it with others. And until next time, peace and God bless.